sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Tell of his glorious works. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Friends, this is Psalm 96. Psalm 96 declares the glories of the Lord. Psalms, the book of Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible. When you were first learning the different names and where each book of the Bible was, for me, it was best when the Sunday school teacher said, go to Psalm, blah, blah. I knew it was right in the middle. So if you're looking for Psalms, they're right in the middle. And Psalms were written as songs. These poems that were written, they were written as uh, poems to be sung during times of worship. And this Psalm, Psalm 96, was written as a Psalm of declaration where we sing God's praises. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. The word Lord, again, here it's Yahweh. Oh, Pastor Joanne, a few weeks ago, talked about the importance of the word Yahweh, Lord. Great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised. This God of Abraham, Isaac, and Moses is greatly to be praised. What is impressive about this particular verse uh, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. When these words are penned together, there is no reason why God needs to be praised. It's a simple declaration. We need to praise Yahweh. He is greatly to be praised. In certain in instances, we see a formula for praise. And some things we might have done as well. We praise God uh, when God has done something for us. We say God is good. Because God delivered us from the hands of the evil one. And we praise his name. But here the author is not saying anything like that. Simply making a statement. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He further notes that there are the other gods, the small g gods, are afraid of Yahweh. Again, there's no explanation why the small g gods are afraid of Yahweh. And let's look at another verse. verse uh, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe God glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. These verses are telling us, declaring to us that we are called to worship the Lord and the beauty of his splendor. When we think about worshiping God in this way, our hearts are filled with joy because we begin to comprehend God's beauty. When we begin to see God's character, we marvel how amazing this God is. The best human analogy that I can give is, have you ever been caught looking at a piece of art and that just takes your breath away and you just stare at it? Or maybe you were driving and you saw a beautiful sunset and it just caught you off glance and you just take in the beauty that is around you. Or maybe you saw a smile on your child or a giggle on your grandchild and that just took your breath away. That is looking at the beauty that surrounds us. 
And here the author of Psalms is saying, when we worship God, we are lost. We are lost in God's beauty. We just cannot describe it. So he says, let's just worship God. This morning, um, I want to take um, these words uh, from Psalm 96 and share with you that the psalmist is actually trying to do three things here uh, in this psalm. He's teaching us through this song, through this psalm, why is it that we worship God? That is the first thing that he addresses. Why is it that we worship God? And then, sorry, first is he declares who is it that we need to worship? And why is it that we need to worship? And then finally, he ends by saying, how is it that we are called to worship? So this morning, who is it that we are worshiping? Hear these words again. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all gods of the peoples of the worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens, the splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Here we are reminded who this God is that we, are, that we worship. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. Our God desires to be praised. When you are in a relationship, and especially when you are falling in love for that very first time with this individual, and you run into somebody else, some of your other friend groups, and they begin to try to talk about you, and they say, hey, tell me a little bit about who you're going out with. You know, we haven't met this person yet. And all of a sudden, the person who's falling in love has a smile on their face, and they begin to just gloat and tell how amazing this other person is how this person does X, Y, and Z, and how they just make them laugh or whatever, whatever, whatever. In that moment, what is happening? Barb is saying, Bruce, you never did that to me. Did I hear you, Barb? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, in that moment, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? You're singing somebody else's praises. Because you are in a relationship. I know that a human relationship doesn't quite compare to what God is. But how does our prayer life consist of, friends? It's a question that we need to consider this morning. Do we just give praises to God only when God hears and answers our prayers? But the God that we are called to worship is the living God. The scriptures remind us that the God that we worship is the Alpha and the Omega, meaning that the God that we worship was in the beginning and will be right to the end. He's the creator of all things. This is the great and mighty God that we worship. Our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and his presence is everywhere. When we read the Psalms again, we are told that we cannot hide from God's presence. No matter where we go, God is there. This is the reminder that the God we worship is present with us. No matter the situation that we are facing. For this reason, we are reminded to worship God. To exalt his name. Second, we are told why 
we should worship this God. We worship this God because he wants to have a relationship with us. When you think about all that God created, think about the majesty, think about the universe, think about the stars, the moon, the oceans, and everything that is within it, the expanse that surrounds us. The God who's the author of all that wants a relationship with you and me. This is what we, we read in Psalms chapter uh, 8, reading from verses 1 through 4. O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place. Verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? The psalmist is reminding us that God is mindful of human beings. Not only is he mindful of us, but he cares about us. The beauty and the uniqueness of the Christian story is God is always the one who's chasing after us. God is always the one who initiates a relationship with humankind. When we read the Old Testament stories, the New Testament stories, the person that's always reaching out first is God. God is the one who initiates a relationship with us. This is the uniqueness of the Christian faith. God is the one who initiates to rescue humanity. When you read the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, they are always messing up. They're always walking away from the laws that were given to them by God. But God continued to send his prophets and rescues the people of Israel. Over and over again, God speaks through the prophets. God is literally chasing after them to have a relationship with them. God the creator, friends, cares for you and is always finding a way to be in relationship with you. God is like that perfect parent who's always willing to have time for their children, who shows unconditional God love. This is the God that we worship. The God that we worship cares about you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. This is the God that we worship. God is chasing after me, knowing fully well my brokenness, my insecurities, my sin. God is still chasing after me, saying, I am forgiven, saying, I want to be with you. The God of the universe. Friends, that is why we worship this God. God is always, always chasing after us. No matter what, God simply looks at us and says, no matter what, I love you. And that is why we are called to worship this God. And finally, we come to verses 8 and 10, where the psalmist is teaching us how that we are called to worship this God. Hear these words. Ascribe to the Lord, O families 
of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his house. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the Lord is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Here we are being taught the how. I think there are three elements for how we are called to worship. How is it that we are called to worship our God? First, we're called to prepare ourselves. Second, we need to have the right posture. And finally, we're called to proclaim God's mighty acts. Here, the psalmist is calling those who worship the living God, the creator of all things. He's calling us to bring an offering. In order to, for the worshipers to bring an offering to the temple, they had to prepare themselves. What am I going to take to worship? What am I going to take to the temple? This was part of their act of worship. When this psalm was written, offering was taken very differently from the way we do it in our church. The way we do it in our church is after the sermon or sometime during the service, the, plate, the offering plate is passed around and all of a sudden you look at it and say, oh, darn it, I got to put something in that plate so that I don't look bad and you know, and then you quickly look through your pockets and put something in it and you move on, right? But when the psalm was written, this is not how offerings were taken. The way offerings were taken when this psalm was written was offering was usually a livestock or something that was cooked in the house. It meant that the worshipers who were about to worship had to think about what they were going to bring to the Lord. What they were going to bring to the temple and put it on the altar. Which animal should we slaughter and take before the Lord? And if we couldn't afford that, what do I need to cook before I take it to the Lord? Friends, we're called to prepare ourselves to worship. When we worship both as a community, as a church, as we are doing this morning, or as individuals, we are called to prepare our hearts, our minds, and our offerings to enter into the presence of this awesome God. We need to come prepared because the God that we worship is chasing after us. Let us prepare ourselves when we worship our God. The next thing that the psalmist teaches us in how to worship is our posture. Ascribe to the Lord of families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. When these words were uttered, in the temple, as the psalm was sung, I could see people standing or kneeling down before God and declaring these words of lifting their hands up and declaring God's goodness, God's holiness in their lives. Friends, our posture is really important. 
Are we bowing down before God? Are we bowing down before God's holiness? We are sinful people who are broken, and yet we are invited into God's presence, the Almighty God, the Holy God. When we enter into God's presence, we claim that Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins. And when we worship this God, let us not forget this beautiful gift. Let's have a posture of gratitude, of awe, that the creator God loved us so much that he's willing to have a relationship with us. Finally, we come to the how we worship is by proclaiming God's goodness. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the Lord is established. It shall never be moved. He shall judge the people with equity. Verse 3, we read, declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among the people. We are called to proclaim God's doing in our lives. How has God been blessing you? During our time of worship, we are called to declare to the Lord all the ways he has reigned in our lives. All the ways that God has shown himself. And we were victorious because of what God is doing in our lives. Let's take a minute to reflect on what God is doing in your life. In the Korean church, uh, there is a tradition that during the time of prayer, like just like we had this morning, the pastor urges the congregation uh, to openly declare, to loudly declare what God has been doing in each of their lives. So the congregation starts to speak out loudly all the ways that they have seen God work in their lives. And within a few minutes, the sanctuary is filled with sound, with noise, where people are declaring God's goodness in their lives. Friends, we are called to declare God's goodness boldly. God is doing marvelous things. Just yesterday, Eli and I were driving home and a small situation happened. And I came home and, and said to Kristen, I need to tell you something. God did something absolutely amazing while I was driving home. It was a simple thing. It's not anything big. But it was God's doing. I knew it, that it was God who did it. It was God's handiwork. Friends, we need to declare what God is doing in our lives when we worship our God. I want to let me, in closing, I want to share this illustration with you about preparation, posture, and proclamation. This is not a very biblically based illustration, but I want to share with you about my 11-year-old. This is my daughter, Annika. Um, she's beautiful, I think. Um, uh, this is on her birthday. This past year, she officially uh, became something. She officially became a Swifty. You all know what Swifty is? All right. If you don't know what Swifty is, you need to turn off whichever channel you're watching and just turn on any other channel and you will know. Just even watch football and you will know what a Swifty is. Okay. Swifty is Taylor Swift is this. American pop star that the whole nation 
has fallen in love with and one NFL player among them. Anyway, so Annika is officially a Swifty. And uh, for her birthday, she wanted to see the movie. There was a Taylor Swift tour uh, that happened over the summer months. Uh, and that tour was turned into a movie. And Annika wanted to see that movie for her birthday. And, um, and so she, she was getting ready uh, for this. She was getting ready for this. Uh, and she wanted to go out shopping. She wanted to go out shopping so that she can wear a dress to the movie. If you can go to the second slide. She went shopping. She just didn't go by herself. She had to take her mother, her really good friend, and her mother as well. So the four of them went, uh, and another sibling as well. And they all went, and they picked out a dress. They prepared themselves. As the weeks were leading up to this preparation, uh, Annika, was making, um, Annika was making bracelets. Apparently that's her thing, that you make bracelets and you give bracelets. She, make, uh, she made a, a list of songs that her mom had to listen because we don't listen to Taylor Swift. Apparently you need to be educated in all of Taylor Swift's music. So the day, the big day came. So that's her on her birthday. And um, this is the posture that I'm talking about. As they were getting ready to leave, this is her friends who were getting ready to leave. This is their, they were so excited. If you can go to the next one too, you can kind of stay there for a minute. That was their posture. They were so excited to go to this movie. So filled with excitement. And apparently none of them sat in the movie theater. They, stand, they stood, danced, and sang all day. And here comes, after the posture, comes the proclamation. When she came home, all she did for the next two hours is talk about the movie. Dad, you should have seen this. Dad, you should have seen this. Dad, let me tell you. Right? She was proclaiming what happened. Preparation, posture proclamation. Friends, I know this phase for my daughter will phase, <laughs> will fade away. Uh, some of you might remember the Beatles, Frank Sinatra, Michael Jackson, or another pop star, you name it. That phase has come, captured your heart, and it's moved away. But you are still in church, and it is my prayer that my daughter will eventually lose the Taylor Swift phase, and she will still be in worship with her friends here. And I know that every Sunday we cannot prepare ourselves with such intensity as my daughter did. But I think it gives us a clue into how we are called to worship our God. We need to prepare ourselves as we come for corporate worship on Sunday mornings, as we go before our God each day. We prepare ourselves. We have a posture of gratitude. We have a posture that we are in the presence of this awesome God. And friends, we are called to proclaim. We're called to proclaim all that God is doing in our lives. Let us worship our God. Will you pray with me?
great and awesome and mighty and marvelous God who chases after us. Broken, sinful people. God, thank you for this relationship that we have in you. That we can call you God who is Alpha and the Omega, who is present everywhere and who is all-powerful. Thank you. Receive our worship. May it be acceptable to you. In your name we pray. Amen.